This is Young Lawyer Rising from the American Bar Association Young Lawyers Division and Legal Talk Network. My name is Matthew Kerbis, former host of the Financial Wellness Minute. This season, instead of bringing you only a nugget of financial wellness wisdom at the end of each episode, every so often I'll bring in experts for a deep dive dedicated to financial wellness topics. Joining me for today's episode is a financial consultant, Eric Rosenberg, and we're going to talk about credit. How do you get it? How do you improve it? What is it good for? Absolutely something. Without further ado, let's start the episode. Eric, welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So as you said, my name is Eric Rosenberg. I have a finance background. Uh, Way back when, I got an undergraduate finance degree from the University of Colorado and then started a career in banking. I didn't work there that long. I didn't like the hours. I was working seven to seven. So I moved into corporate finance and accounting for about a decade. And I started writing about money as a side hustle along the way. And that became my full-time job about five years ago. So now I'm a full-time finance writer and I do uh, I work with a lot of financial companies and products. It's a it's a great way to be. I'm excited that I get to do what I get to do. <laughs> and you know, podcasting is what brought us together today. You have a podcast. You do the podcast circuit. You speak at those events. So so podcasting is is another connection here, right? Yes, absolutely. I have my own show. It's called the Personal Profitability Podcast. I, I love the podcast world. I listen to podcasts constantly. I have uh, I couldn't imagine life without it. My podcast earbuds need to get recharged a lot. I'm always listening. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm a two-time speed guy myself, if you could believe it. I'm usually around 1.4, 1.5. <laughs> 2X is tough. If, I commend you for being able to keep up with that. <laughs> well, well, you know, it, it's harder for episodes like this that we're about to do because there's going to be a lot of great content. And we're going to talk about credit. And I know that your experience goes so much further than that. But today, that's going to be our focus. So just to get us started, what is credit? Yeah, so credit is a measure of how a bank or other lender thinks you will be able to pay back a loan. So if you get a credit card or a car loan or a mortgage, any kind of borrowing, a company, a credit bureau will provide data that will tell the lender whether or not you're a good bet to pay back that loan. That's a mouthful. So how does that relate to credit score? Is that is that one and the same? Yeah, so that's a great question. So credit scores are a part of your credit. So your credit's really made up of two pieces, your credit report and your credit score. So think of your credit report like your old high school transcript. It shows all of your accounts you've ever had, probably in the last seven to 10 years. There's some some rules there that things will start to fall off. But if you've had any credit cards, student loans, auto loans, lines of credit, anything that requires pulling your credit report, anything that requires uh, repayments that should show up on your credit report. So if you apply for a new car loan, and we've mentioned that a couple times, the lender will pull your credit report and then start reporting that car loan on your credit report going forward. They look at your history to make that decision. Your credit score is kind of like your high school GPA, your grade point average. It takes all of the information in that credit report, aggregates it all together into a single number. It's usually 
usually somewhere between like 400, 450 at the bottom. It depends on which scale you're using and 850 or 900 at the top. So again, there's a couple different scales. The most common one is called FICO, but generally the credit companies, the lenders will look at that number, if nothing else, and just use that number when making a credit decision. So if you apply for a credit card online, for example, you'll usually get an answer right away. And that is based on your credit score. So it's very important to your finances. I understand there's hard pulls, there's soft pulls. So like when you get approved for a credit card online right away like that, would that be more of a soft pull than a hard pull? Yeah, that's another great question. So a soft pull or a soft inquiry is when your credit is accessed and that stays private just to you. So no other lenders would know that a soft pull has happened. And if you use any of those credit monitoring apps, we might talk about some in a minute, there's some free ways you can check your credit online, and those will use a soft pull. So that does not influence your credit score going forward. If you apply for a loan, like a credit card, that will usually result in a hard inquiry or a hard pull. A hard inquiry does show up on your credit report. It will lower your credit score, usually just a couple points, two or three points in my experience. It, It varies a little based on your own credit. And those hard pulls stay on your credit report for two years. So 24 months after that, that little ding on your credit's going to show up there and remain there. But if you were getting a new credit card, that's probably worth it. There's, there's a reason you were signing up for that credit card. So don't be afraid of the hard inquiry. Just You don't want to do too many of them. You want to do them only when you really need credit. And one of the reasons you really need credit is to build up that credit score, right? Right. It's a chicken and an egg thing. You need credit to have a good credit score, but you can't get credit without credit. So it's hard sometimes for younger people to get started. That's why there are specific products made for people new to credit or people with bad credit. Uh, One of the easiest ways, if you don't have a student credit card, if if you qualify for one of those uh, when you're young, if you're listening and you're young enough, a student credit card could be a good way to get started or just any kind of basic credit card. There's a lot of them out there. If you have bad credit or you really struggle, another option is what's called a secured credit card. With a secured card, you put down a deposit equal to your credit card limit, and the credit card company just keeps that as a deposit. You use the credit card like normal, and if you stop paying, they have that money to pay themselves back. So it's zero risk for them, but it builds credit for you. So if you have really dire credit, that's the way to start rebuilding But most people, you can start with a simple credit card. Uh, Maybe if you have parents who have good credit, they'll be nice and uh, make you an authorized user. And that's only helpful to you if they always pay their credit cards on time because you can get credit for that in your credit score. And lenders can tell the difference between an authorized user account and one that you're responsible for. So if your parents have good credit and they're willing to share, don't shy away from that. If you're young enough and that uh, something that could help you in the future, like maybe you're going to buy a home in the next few years, you have a couple of credit cards, adding one from your parents could help really skyrocket your score. Uh, it depends, again, if they're paying it on time. <laughs> yeah. And, and to put that in context of, of our listeners, I mean, we're, we're primarily targeting, you know, young lawyers. So these are young professionals who may be starting a family. So maybe they could be thinking about, okay, you know, I have good credit already, or I listened to this episode and then I got really good credit. And so <laughs> maybe I should consider putting my child on my credit card to help them build credit so that they're better set up later on, whereas maybe I wasn't. Is that is that like Absolutely. a good reframe? 
Yeah, so my kids are too little to have credit cards right now. My oldest is six, so she's not going out there swiping under daddy's name. But in you know 10 or 12 years, there's a very good reason she might need to spend money that I'll pay for. You know, if she has a car and we decide to help her with gas, uh, things like that. So adding her when she's able, which usually you can't do it when they're really young. Every bank's going to have their own uh, rules on the youngest. They'll let somebody be an authorized user. But if your kids are you know, maybe in college, if they're 16, 18 years old, and they have no credit history, no background, that could be a really good time to add them. Maybe you don't even give them the card. Maybe you don't even tell them you did it because you don't want them to spend the money on, and you have to pay it back. But just adding them to the account and keeping the card at the back of your closet, I mean, let them know. Don't make it a surprise. <laughs> you don't want them to go apply for something and think there was fraud. But by doing that, you could be really giving them a great gift that could set them up to get the best interest rate on a car loan in the future or, or a home loan. Some major life purchase down the road could be hugely benefited by having that good credit early on. Yeah. And it's a double-edged sword because if you end up making a poor decision that leads to having a, a bad credit, say you, like, you know, you mistakenly miss a payment, for example, you know, something that I think has a pretty significant impact or can on your credit, you'll, you'll tell me in a moment, you know, that could also then negatively impact your child if you added them. So it's something that should, it's not a decision that should be made lightly. Is that fair? Yeah, that's a very fair point. So if you are the kind of person, you should know your own habits and your own credit history that you can find that on your credit report. If you don't know that about yourself, those are available for free by law. And if you're the kind of person who has a history of bad payments and you have a tendency to do that, it might not be a good idea to add your child because then yes, you are giving them the negative impact of having those missed or late payments. So only add your kids if you're going to pay on time every month going forward on that account. Yeah. And so having a credit card is one way that you could build credit uh, but what's some other ways that you build credit, whether good or bad, I suppose? Yeah, so we mentioned secure credit cards. That's kind of a twist on credit cards. As a lawyer, you've one of the first ways a lot of you probably saw credit was through student loans, whether that was undergraduate or graduate school. So you know, if you got law school loans and you're still paying them off, um, those are on your credit report. You could go pull it up right now. You should be able to see them. And as long as you are making on-time payments every month at the minimum payment amount, you are helping your credit score by having those loans. I mean, right away when you opened it, it could have done a negative, a small negative. But in the long run, it should only help your credit as long as you pay on time and make that minimum payment every month. And we, we've talked a little bit about student loans on Young Lawyer Rising, and that is something that hasn't come up is how it could actually have a good impact in that yeah. um, you're building credit. When you have student loans, if you make those payments. Yeah, I mean, maybe you're a, a public offender and you work for the county or something and, and you're on the track for public student loan forgiveness, which would be great. Uh, but in the meantime, while you're making those payments, you do enjoy that every month. You're helping build your credit just a little bit, just a little bit. And if you're saving up, I've mentioned a house a couple times, if you're saving up a down payment to buy a house in the near future, you want to refinance a mortgage, those little contributions to your credit score over the years could add up to saving you tens of thousands of dollars. It could be huge. So uh, don't underestimate the value of those on-time payments. But also don't miss one because that could hurt your credit score a lot faster than an on-time payment will help it. Right. And it's always better to pay off the full balance when it's due. Like, right? Like, let's start with that. <laughs> yeah. So at a very minimum, 
Well, there's a handful of factors in your credit report, but the two biggest are your on-time payment history and your credit balances. So if you just focus on those two things, don't rack up a lot of debt, especially on credit cards, and pay on time every month you're doing the right thing. And there should be a minimum payment listed on every borrowing account, including student loans. You should always pay at least that much. If you pay any less, it'll be considered a partial payment, which is akin to a late payment or a missed payment. So you always want to get at least that minimum by the due date. Yeah. And it's important to know that if you don't pay it off in full, a credit card statement, that there will be interest charged then. That's where the interest comes in. That's how the credit card companies make money. Is that right? Yeah. So there's different types of loans we've mentioned. So credit cards are what's called a revolving debt or a revolving loan. And with those, generally, if you pay it off in full by the due date, you won't pay any interest. That's what I do for my own credit cards. You know, if you're a really savvy credit card user and you use rewards credit cards, I focus on travel rewards myself. Some people prefer cash back. And I've taken trips all over the world essentially for free or almost for free because of credit cards. But that only works because I pay them off in full every month by the due date. If I were paying interest every month, which is what the bank hopes, then I would be paying for those trips through the interest payments. But instead, I get the benefits of the points and the miles, but I don't have to pay interest because I'm paying them in full. And that does not work the same with installment loans. So that's car loans, mortgages, and student loans. Those you'll have to pay interest every month no matter what, as long as the loan exists. But with a credit card, you can use it totally interest-free. And that's what I recommend. If you are the kind of person who would tend to carry a balance on credit cards and pay interest every month, you might be better off with a debit card because those interest payments can really add up. What about there are some debit cards that you could use as a credit card? Is that actually building credit? Yeah, so there are some different products out there that are kind of debit credit overlap products. You'd have to look at the specific terms on that card to know whether or not it's helping you build credit. If it works more like a secured credit card, then it definitely could help you build credit. I know Chime Bank offers a card like that that's free to anyone who has a checking account there and has their direct deposit come in. So that's one option. Uh, But then there's other ones that they work and seem like a debit card and they're not going to show up on your credit report at all. You should be able to tell before you apply or before you sign up whether or not it will impact your credit score. It can be frustrating to wade through the malpractice insurance application process but you know you need to protect your firm. Alps designed their application to be flexible, easy, and 100% online. Fill it out, review your quote, accept, and pay in as little as 10 minutes. Alps is the nation's largest direct writer of lawyers' malpractice insurance, and they are endorsed by more bar associations than any other carrier, so they understand law firms. They also know how valuable your time is, and that's why they make legal malpractice insurance easy. Visit alpsinsurance.com to learn more. That's A-L-P-S insurance.com. Here's a fact about lawyers who switched jobs in the last 12 months. 37% of them moved in pursuit of better work-life balance. I'm Joshua Lennon, lawyer in residence at Clio, and this is just one finding from our recent Legal Trends report. Given irregular schedules and long hours that lawyers often dedicate to their clients, It's no surprise that many are willing to leave in pursuit of a more manageable work life. 
When interviewing at a law firm, double check to see if they offer work from home options, the ability to adjust your hours when necessary, and have cloud-based software to support that. For more information on what law firms can do to keep good people like you, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O dot com slash trends. This episode is brought to you by the American Bar Association's Young Lawyers Division. Starting a new career in the law can feel overwhelming. The ABA YLD provides resources, CLE, and a network of peers from coast to coast to help you settle into your new legal career. Claim your Young Lawyer membership for just $75 at ambar.org join. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. Okay, and you've mentioned several things that credit is good for, but I think it's important to at least you know, call them out and maybe finish that list a little bit more. So, so we, you know, you've talked about the rewards points. That could be a good reason to have a credit card in general, but that's like a whole other episode. <laughs> Getting a loan, right, for a house, for a car, you know, that's something that credit is good for. Is there anything else that our listeners should be thinking of, you know, about, you know, credit could be, this is a reason to have good or great or excellent credit? I say the number one reason is if you, do get approved for a borrowing opportunity in the future, whether it's credit card, a mortgage, or anything else. Typically, people with the best credit scores get the lowest interest rates. So the interest rate difference between having average credit and excellent credit, when you buy a house, and that's a big purchase, maybe you're having a six-figure loan, that difference in a percent or two percentage points could be tens of thousands of dollars. And, you know, if you're a really successful lawyer and you get a fancy house, that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that interest savings is huge. That is definitely the biggest reason. And there's some other little fun reasons um, to have good credit. If you're ever applying for a new cell phone plan, for example, or signing up for uh, internet service at home, working with a new utility company, they might check your credit report. And if you have good credit, they'll just let you sign up. And if you have bad credit, they might require a deposit to set up your account. So there are things like that that you'll run into on occasion. One other place you might see your credit show up is uh, when you're applying for jobs. Uh, Depending on how you're putting that law degree to use, you might work for a large company where you're involved with money. If you end up working um, with a bank, with a financial company, they might check your credit report as part of the employment process. that's, That's definitely not unheard of. And while they'll probably not look at your credit score, they could look at your credit report. And if they see a history of bankruptcies or 
a lot of missed payments, they might think, oh, well, this person isn't that good with their own money. We probably don't want them to handle our money or our customers' money. Uh, so we might not trust them. We might pick another candidate instead. So it could help you out when you're applying for a job as well. So it probably depends on the employer, but I wonder if they did want to do like a, a credit check, which would be like a, like a hard check potentially. Is it possible to... Um, and again, might depend on the employer, but is it possible to, since you're entitled to your own credit report once a year, which you already mentioned, what Equifax, um, TransUnion and um, Experian and Experian, right? Then could you pull one of those and, and give that to your employers at the same thing that, that you're seeing that they would see if they pulled, if they did a hard poll or is, was, is it something else that they're seeing? Mm. If they, they, sh it? they should be seeing the exact same thing you would see. They wouldn't ask you to give a copy of your credit report. If they're serious enough, they're doing background checks, they're going to pay money to a company that will do that background check and, and check your credit. I mean, they might, they might do a legal background check for arrests and things like that as well. So it's, it's not going to be just your credit necessarily. But if you do have a job hunt coming up, it's not a bad idea to look at your credit report now, see if there's any mistakes or errors you need to get fixed. That does happen. About 20% of people end up with an error on their credit report that could hurt their score. So uh, you know, look for things like that. Make sure your credit report tells an accurate story and hopefully it tells a good story that you uh, have a good history of paying back loans as agreed. Uh, then you shouldn't have anything to worry about when applying for a job. Good to know. So in addition to pulling your own report, you mentioned FICO earlier. I know that CreditWise is a thing. There are different ways to check and just look at your credit score without having to, to go ahead and, and request your full credit report. So where would somebody get their FICO score, their CreditWise score, other, other options that are out there? Yeah. So there's a few different ways you can get your credit score. One of the easiest ways that your bank or credit card company might already offer is to use their credit system. So Chase, for example, or Capital One or Discover, there's a long list. If you have accounts there, you can just log in and click on your account and they often will show you the credit score they use when making decisions. If you, let's say you wanted a new credit card. So they might show you your true FICO score, which is kind of the gold standard of credit scores. And then there's free apps. That's probably the next place I'd look. My favorite, they're not endorsing me to say this, but I like Credit Karma. I've written for them in the past, but I use them myself. It's great. They give you a different credit score. It's called the Vantage score. So that could vary a little from your FICO score. It's just good to be aware there could be a difference, but they're generally going to be very similar. So you can find something like that. There's other apps as well. Credit Sesame is another popular option. They, it seems like they keep popping up all over these, these credit apps. Uh, just be aware when you're using those, they're probably going to use your credit information to advertise to you and give you super targeted credit card offers and loan offers. Uh, you don't have to use them usually, but that's how they make money though. So they do use your information, but you can get that credit information for free if you want your credit score. If you only want your credit report and nothing else, the best place to go is annualcreditreport.com. That is the official government mandated website run by the three big credit bureaus you mentioned earlier. Actually, since COVID, they've been giving you a free credit report update every day if you want it, even though they have to do it once a year, they've been doing it more. I guess it doesn't cost them much to let you click an extra time. So that's a nice little service to have. You can check in you know, quarterly or semi-annually, however often you want, just to make sure there's no mistakes and no errors. I do that every year uh, once for each of my three credit reports just to make sure they're all right. You, know, you don't want any 
fraud or scams that you don't know about. So it's a good thing to keep an eye on. And you can make accounts with the big credit bureaus and you could freeze your credit and unfreeze it and refreeze it and do all these things. So it's maybe worthwhile for our listeners to consider actually making accounts at these credit bureaus, right? Yes. If you've ever had any kind of fraud in the past, it's especially important. You can go on and freeze your credit. It used to cost on average like 5 or $10 every time you wanted to freeze and unfreeze. But now that's free. I think by law. So uh, yeah, if you have any worries about fraud or if you work in any kind of legal area where you might be a target to fraud, you know, there's some, um, some areas you might be a little higher profile. If you are in one of those positions, it might be a good idea to just keep your credit frozen all the time and unfreeze it temporarily when you're applying for something new. Also, just when you sign up for those websites, they will try to upsell you with a whole bunch of different things. You don't need any of it. The access to your credit report is free and freezing and unfreezing your credit is free. So those are the two big things you'll need from them. So we've covered a lot. And uh, the last thing I want to just just sort of rattle off and, and each one of these we could really spend a lot of time on, but we are running out of time. And that is how do you improve your credit? So if you're looking at your, you know, your credit card app or your FICO score, you'll see all these different things listed. And it gives you like a score of, you know, bad, fair, good, great, excellent. The verbiage I know changes. I monitor my credit on four different apps personally. Um, and so maybe just Talk a little bit about some of what these things are, what our listeners should be thinking about if they're trying to improve their credit. Sure. I'll do a quick rundown on the main components of your credit report. But remember, the two most important are your on-time payment history and your balances. We brought that up before. Those are the two that you should focus on most. But the other ones to know about, uh, one is your average age of credit. So they'll look at your oldest credit line that's still open or still available on your account. And then they'll take the average of all of your account ages. So that's a part of your score. Generally, older accounts show that you're more responsible with credit and a whole bunch of new accounts show you're a higher risk. So to improve your score, keep credit cards open as long as you can, unless they have an annual fee. There's no reason to close a credit card usually. Another is your credit usage ratio. That's what I was talking about when I said credit balances. So if you have, let's say, a credit card, all of your credit cards combined, you have a total open available credit of, uh, let's say, $20,000, just as an example. If you use up to $2,000 of that, your credit utilization, uh, this, this is easy math, right? 10%. So your credit utilization goes up and down based on how much you use. Most experts say your utilization should generally stay less than about 20%. But the real best number for your credit score is zero. You don't have to carry any balance month to month. So paying it off to zero every month, it's the best thing for your credit. Inquiries we talked a little bit about. If you have a whole bunch of hard inquiries, that's going to hurt your credit score. If you apply for a bunch of different mortgages to shop around or a bunch of car loans, though those might be lumped together for scoring purposes and only treated as one inquiry, even though there were several. So if you're going to apply for a new car loan, let's say, do it all at once. Don't apply a few times over several months because that will hurt your credit score more. Uh, New accounts we talked about, when you open a new account, it hurts you both because it hurts your average age of credit and you're getting a new inquiry. But that is temporary. That, In my experience, around three to six months, as long as you have paid that account as agreed and always make that minimum payment on time, the negative should wash out and then become a positive. We have a a couple more things on our list. Uh, Your total number of accounts. And that's part of the 
factor with your average account age. Generally, they say more account shows you're more responsible, fewer account shows you're a little riskier. So that's why people, you know, older people who have dozens of accounts on their credit report are going to have the best credit scores usually, where someone who's brand new with credit, they're going to have a lower score starting out, even if they've been perfect. Your available credit is another factor. That's just kind of the opposite of your credit usage. Um, so the big thing to do there is don't go over that 20%. I mean, I, it's not a hard rule, but it's a good guideline to follow. Um, you definitely don't want to max out your credit cards. If you do that, that shows you know, high risk people. Lenders might think something's wrong if you're using all of your available credit, that you're having some serious financial situation. So again, just keeping those balances as low as possible is going to be the best thing, uh, short and long term for your finances. And how to build more um, credit availability. I'll, I'll just tell you very quickly something that I did because I, I was very strategic about it and attorneys are very strategic. Nothing I say is financial advice, but this <laughs> is what I did is I didn't have any credit going into law school and something I got student loans. And then my last year of law school, I got a pretty much full-time clerk job, part-time clerk job with classes. Then I had a steady income. I decided to get my first credit card. And then I was very strategic about it because your hard credit checks, when you get a new credit card, they stay on your account for two years, right? Something like Mm -hmm. that sometimes. Yes. So I got two credit cards because I knew then in two years they would be off my record and then I could get two more credit cards. And so right now I have four credit cards, but I always pay them off. And every six months, I always ask for an increase, and and they usually don't need to pull a hard credit check with the credit cards that I happen to have in order to do that. And that's how I've been able to increase my available credit. And it's worked for me. Yeah, that that strategy is totally sound. It makes a lot of sense. Personally, I have more than 20 credit cards between my (laughs) wife and I, but we're not... I write about credit cards all day, so I'm not doing what most people should probably do. Uh, Most of mine are rewards cards. I'm a big travel hacker. So most people, you you wouldn't have to wait even that two years before getting another credit card if if you wanted. For as long as you're not planning to buy a house or potentially a car within the next six to 12 months, there's not really any big reason to just chase a higher credit score. The credit score is a tool to unlock the best interest rates and the best financial products that you can get. If you have an 850 credit score, a perfect credit score, sure, it's going to give you bragging rights, but financially that's not going to put you in any better position than someone who has an 801 credit score or probably a 775 credit score. Every bank's a little different, but generally you just want that to keep moving upward over time. And if you see a great new travel credit card with a hundred thousand point signup bonus, that's something that catch my eye. It might be okay to take a couple point hit on your credit report because that 100,000 points might be worth you know, $2,000 in free flights. Uh, so for me, three or four points on my credit report is absolutely worth a, a, a round trip flight to Europe. That, that's just me. Everyone has little different priorities. So in personal finance is personal. Uh, you might hate travel. Maybe you want cash back rewards. You know, maybe it's, So maybe that'd be a draw for you. Uh, maybe you just want things to be simple and you just want one credit card for emergencies and you'd rather use debit. You know, That's okay too. It's up to your preferences and your needs. But when you work to generally have a better credit score, uh, you should see dividends come back anytime you borrow in the future. Well, Eric, thank you so much. This has been a super informative conversation. If any of our listeners want to follow up with you, where's the best way for them to reach you? 
Sure. The best place to go is ericrosenberg.com, or you could just type eric.money in your browser and hit enter, and that'll take you to a list of all the links to my blog, podcast. I have a, a little free giveaway, a week-long personal finance boot camp for entrepreneurs. So many lawyers who have your own firms or you're starting your own practices might enjoy that. So check it all out. Thank you so much. Thank you. Young Lawyer Rising is for young lawyers by young lawyers. Thank you to Eric Rosenberg for joining me on this episode. Eric and I talked about things young lawyers can do to build great credit and use it to benefit their finances. Nothing said in this episode is financial advice. If you found this content valuable, please give us the highest rating you can and leave us a review, both of which will really help others discover this show. This episode was written by me and produced by me and Lawrence Coletti, edited and mixed by Adam Lockwood. Until next time, I'm Matthew Curvis, and this is Young Lawyer Rising from the American Bar Association Young Lawyers Division. Music